Hello and welcome to The Winchester, a podcast where Hannah, Ben, and myself explore everything to do with film, TV, entertainment, pop culture, you name it. If you're a nerd like us, then you're in the right place. We'll be diving deep into all things nerdy to discuss exactly what it is we love and hate about them. If you haven't already, please make sure to like, subscribe, review, wherever you get your podcasts. This week we're talking Into the Wild, written and directed by Sean Penn, starring Emile Hirsch, Marsha Gay Harden, William Hurt, and Jenna Malone, with a couple of surprise appearances along the way. But first, let's check in with our panel in a segment that we like to call Whatcha Watchin'? Hey, Hannah, whatcha watching? Um, so I, I want to talk about two things that I watched. One was a movie. I just saw, like, I'm kind of on a Nicolas Cage kick right now. <laughs> and um, I just, so I watched M- Mandy, which I think I talked about already. But I watched A Color Out of Space, I think it's called. Okay. It is weird as fuck. It's based on an H.P. Lovecraft story, H.P. Lovecraft, obviously a horrible human being, but the story was very cool and kind of reworked to, um, like, to modern times. It's gross and creepy, but also, like, really cool and different, and uh, Nicolas Cage is classic Nicolas Cage in it. The guy that directed it, I think his name was Richard Stanley, he was also in that Dune documentary that we watched. He's the guy with, like, the cowboy hat on. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was it was really good. I recommend it. It's on Netflix. And then I started watching the I'll Be Gone in the Dark documentary on HBO, which is about Patton Oswalt's late wife, Michelle McNamara, who was like a true crime investigator and helped to uncover who the East Area rapist was. And it is, uh, it is really good. <laughs> But it is also very hard to watch because it's very intense subject matter for multiple different reasons. Um, but it is very well done. So if you can, I would I would recommend spacing it out. Don't binge it all at once. But it is it is really quite good. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, it's 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 good, but it's tough. <laughs> uh, ben, what's what's going on with you this week? Uh, so there's two. Two major things that I've uh, uh, I've been watching. First one is I I watched uh, Hamilton. Oh yes, yes. and I I quite enjoyed it. I thought that it was really well executed. Some great lyricism. I loved the the use of uh, hip hop, a uh, a genre of music that has grown out of anger and oppression. To use that as the kind of the background for this story of uh, Alexander Hamilton, uh, who's one of the forefathers of uh, of the United States of America, and his, the anger and oppression they felt from the British. So I thought that was a really, really well done way of kind of layering things, and I thought it was a, a very fresh take on uh, on musicals. Though I do I do think I, I, I I've heard that uh, some people are kind of lashing out at it because it has some minor revisionism and kind of paints Alexander Hamilton in a better light than some people believe he should be painted in. But at the same time, to me, because what I did after I finished watching it, I got interested. I yeah. was fascinated by the character or the the cast of characters, and I started doing some research into the fact and fiction and who some of these characters were in real life. Um, and I think that that's what Hamilton should be looked at. It's, it's a piece of entertainment, not 
uh, a history textbook, so it, it shouldn't be taken as like um, um, the gospel of the of Alexander Hamilton. It should be used as kind of a like a, a launching board to get people interested in the person, and then right. they can do their own research and their own um, digging into who he actually was and what's fact and fiction in uh, in the musical. Yeah, that's that's how ever that's how everything should be like. You shouldn't you would think. go. Yeah, you shouldn't go to Hamilton and be like, "Oh, I know everything there is to know about Hamilton now." <laughs> like, yeah, it, it it should be something to open up the doors to do some more research. Um, I think that's like I, not enough people do that now, but I think it's really important to know the actual history behind the characters. And I, I mean, American politics in America has such a fraught history, <laughs> and like, I, I mean. I, I'm just, I, I really like the musical, but I mean, Hamilton was not the greatest person in the world, but it's okay to still like the musical. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, like, when you, when you go into a musical about the founding fathers of the United States and the country in the state it was in in 1776, and uh, the characters are played by um, people of all different ethnicities and backgrounds... You have to go, okay, so this isn't going to be a point-for-point point telling of the, of the history. It's embellished a little bit, it's adjusted a little bit, and it's used as a source of inclusivity, so that way young children growing up in America of various ethnicities feel a connection to their forefathers and feel that desire to go out and uh, learn more about the people that built the country, both the good and the bad parts. And that's one of the things I loved about Hamilton is it doesn't paint Hamilton as the perfect person ever. Like, royally fucks up a few times in the play, and that's part of the story. It's mm -hmm. part of the character. Yeah. On the other note, I also uh, watched The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. Oh, oh yeah? Wow. How was that? I, I'm loving it. Almost done. I'm on the last episode. As you can both attest, I'm not someone who follows sports at all. Uh, I don't watch hockey. I don't watch basketball. I don't follow anything. And I'm like fascinated by uh, this telling of Michael Jordan's career, in particular, the, the 97, 98, uh, I think, yeah, 97, 98 series uh, as their, their run for their sixth NBA championship. Yeah, I heard it's good. I, I just haven't sat down to watch it yet. Um, again, as someone who doesn't watch sports, it's absolutely fascinating to watch Michael Jordan work, watch some of the plays he makes and kind of the the thoughts and theories behind how he plays and what he does to motivate himself and how he uh, motivates others to be the absolute best they can be on the court. It's, 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 it's fascinating. That's all I can say. What about nice. you, Scott? What have you been watching? Well, I just wanted to chime in on... Uh, on uh your Hamilton discussion there. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to I cut you off. Oh, no, it's not so Because I think it's, there's always going to be that fine balance of how much do we want to show the negatives of this character? Um, and how, like, how much do we want to shine a light on that? Right. Because at the end of the day, also these, you know, these companies, they want you to like their characters. Right. But something like a place that did it really well, or a film that did it really well was rocket man, the Elton John thing. And that was produced by Elton John too, mm -hmm. but he had zero fear with showing the hard times and how much of a dick he was growing up. So I, I love that when, when the thing, you know, it's, it's, it, it shouldn't paint everyone in the, like this perfect light. Like, you know, so you see some of those like documentaries that come out about a person and they're produced by that person. And all it is is just some big propaganda thing about how good they are. 
It's yeah. a fluff I mean, that piece. Shit, that shit sucks. I hate that. Because it's just, it's it's propaganda. That's all it is. No one is perfect. Like, no yeah. person lives their life and doesn't leave a few enemies along the way. Like, every single person has done things that they regret. Every single yeah. person has done, like, has dark parts of themselves. And, like, just showing, like, this rosy, like, rose tinted glasses kind of look at a person it, it's that's not interesting <laughs> like what's interesting yeah, absolutely is, what's is, what's interesting is what what is it that connects us to that celebrity you know yeah. what i mean like and that's the dark shit that's the stuff that it's this it's the self-doubt it's the um it, it's those voices in your head that are telling you you're not going to be anything but when you see like oh uh, elton john had his own demons and he became somebody you know it's that sort of stuff that connects you with those celebrities and and you you then become inspired by those celebrities you know yeah absolutely stuff that makes a good a good movie a good story and i think i i feel like hamilton like hamilton did touch on like the negative stuff that happened that that he did and that he went through and all that stuff but i feel like i would have liked a little bit more of that well, not yeah, so much it, of a not so much of a praising thing. Like it still had that sense of like Americana to it, where it's like we are perfect. We're America. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I felt I, I would have loved a little bit more of like the dark from that. But also, can I just say about Hamilton? Man, if I was still in like musical theater, King George, man, I, know, I, would, so I would I would race towards that to have a chance at that. Because holy shit. That was great. I cannot get that song stuck like out of my head. I, I can't know. Get it it was, those were my favorite songs. <laughs> I was hum- so I was humming good. that little ditty part of it uh, all day the next day at work. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, like they they did show some of the dark side of him, and they they did mention that he was uh, an abolitionist, but he ab- abolition was very far down in his list of priorities. Um, he owned slaves, and they shied away yeah. from that in the in the in the musical which i mean i get that part of it is based off of the fact the casting choices that they made because they were the casting choices were very uh very conscious decisions that they made and it didn't necessarily fit into the overall story that they were trying to say um, but i think they might have shied away from it a little too much like they didn't mention that he had slaves at all um and they made it seem like he was much more of an abolitionist than he actually was in real life yeah um i've been watching i binged all last night the first season of Mythic Quest. Yes. Um, so oh, it's, is that the uh, the It's Always Sunny guys? Yeah, yeah it's show. Rob McElhenney and Charlie Day and Megan Gans who created it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm working with um, a writer right now, um, good friend of mine, uh, Chris, and he wants to do like a, a web series sort of thing in the style, very close and very similar, inspired by this show. So he sent me like the entire the entire season. So I was like, oh, I'm I'm just gonna watch it, and I just couldn't fucking put it down. Uh, I I loved it. I love I I love the show. It's it's so weird. It's like if you want to see a good episode of this show, episode five is the one to watch. If you want to yep. see a really good episode of great television in general, episode five is the one to watch. <laughs> it's it's episode five just blew me away i was like holy shit because it just you can watch it without even watching episodes one through four like it's just on its own it's fantastic episode five is the one that dives into the couple right yeah that's right yeah it has has nothing to do with the main characters it's like 
It's uh, it takes place years before our the, the main characters are like are their story even begins. Yeah, it's 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 so good. I I absolutely tore through Mythic Quest. I thought it was great. Mythic Quest Ravens uh, Banquet, a dark, quiet death. Uh, it's the highest rated one. It's nine point four, directed by uh, Rob McCanny, which so he's the main guy. He's the one that directed this one. It's got uh, Jake Johnson and Kristen Milati. Fantastic. I really like Jake Johnson. He's great. Yeah, so yes. good. Uh, and their back and forth uh, as the as the couple is just incredible. Such charm, such heart. Uh, and, and and great chemistry between the two of them, and and a fantastic story. And this is the episode where the show, you know, when you first watch, the, you know, you watch a first season of a show, and there's that one episode where the style changes. It's like either they fall into their groove, or they or they finally figured out how they want to shoot this thing, or they finally figure out how the tone is supposed to be. This is the show. Uh, this is the episode. Um, their camera work and the lighting, cinematography. Everything changes in this episode, and everything um, it gets better and better after this episode. I, I find the the writing in the show was really sharp, but it was at its peak in this episode too, with the the back and forth banter between uh, the couple in particular. Yeah, and I think also because it was a self contained story too, there was something where it was going. Like each episode was there wasn't any sort of like overall arc. Like they have character arcs in the show, of course. And you can see cut, and you can see that. But in terms of like what, like how is this going to end? Like this episode comes to an end, and so I, I think that lends itself to um, why it's so, why it's so really, you know, why it's so great. But yeah, I think this show is fantastic. Uh, I am definitely, I think I'm in love with Charlotte McDowell. Uh, she <laughs> plays Poppy in this. I think she's hilarious. I think she's so good. And uh, and she her her role gets bigger and bigger in this show, and it's uh, just just fantastic. I think she's a really great comedic comedic actor. I like that uh, Danny Pudi gets to play the almost uh, Jeff Winger style character, where he's kind yeah, of self exactly. self obsessed and a bit of an exactly. asshole. Oh, which right reminds me of swinging back to uh, our conversation about Hamilton. So Danny Pudi in the last episode, this is not this is not really <laughs> spoilers, but he was like talking about like why do I love what is it? What like? What does he care about? Because he plays like a like you said a Jeff Winger character, and you know Jeff Winger doesn't really care about anybody except himself, and that's what Danny Pudi's character is. But it was all about like wealth, and he was like, it's not about wealth for it's not about it's not about wealth. It's about controlling people. His love is controlling people and having that power over people, and that was like the connection. Um, just bringing it back to to Hamilton, and I was like, "There's some dark shit." And then, but this yep. guy, he embraces that, and that's what makes his character like so unique and so vile. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So vile, like you hate him, but at the same time, you're like, "I gotta watch more of where this guy goes." He's basically if EA were a person. He is microtransactions. <laughs> no, ser- but seriously though, he his job is microtransactions. Uh, ben, next, next, <laughs> n- next week's episode is sponsored by EA. So what are you doing? What are you, what are, what are, what are you doing? We are Apparently never I'm getting get fired. <laughs> we'll never get sponsored by EA, let alone anybody um, else. <laughs> now, um, Scott, um, Scott, yeah. um, speaking speaking of um, uh, of Danny Pudi's character in this show, have you watched the quarantine episode? I've watched all the episodes. But you watched you watched the the post finale quarantine episode on Zoom. Oh shit! No, yeah, it's great. It's God really it. great. I'm gonna do that after I watch that. After we do this, then. <laughs> and it's interesting. Spot okay. on. 
Uh, okay, well, that's going to bring us to our question <laughs> of the week. Uh, every week, we're given a question, whether it's asked from one of us here on the panel or one from one of our amazing listeners. Uh, if you have a question you want us to answer, hit us up on social media at WinchesterCast. This week's question is, uh, inspired by the movie that we watched, Into the Wild, uh, what's one place you always wanted to visit? Ben, let's start with you. What's one place you've always wanted to visit? I think I briefly touched on this a uh, couple episodes back with our uh, our time period question, but I would love to visit uh, Japan. Uh, there's oh, something yeah. about the culture, uh, the blend of modern and feudal Japan in some of the places that just it absolutely fascinates me. I would love. I've seen. I've seen it in television shows. I've seen it in documentaries. But I would love to be able to experience Tokyo or Kyoto uh, for myself, um, and some of the some of the Shinto shrines that they have. Like there's there's just so much in that fairly small country to see. Like I would love to be able to just go and explore and learn more about this culture that's so similar yet so different from our own. Brilliant. Uh, Hannah, what's one place you've always wanted to visit? I mean, the obvious answer is New Zealand, because (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to go and see where they filmed Lord of the Rings. Uh, It's also like a 24-hour flight, and I don't know if I would survive that. So one day, maybe one day. But uh, I also uh, really, really want to go to Norway. Ice, yeah. Just yep. because it is supposed to be one of the most beautiful places on earth and you can do these like really beautiful hikes and like go on like they have these like seven day hike journeys that you can go on, which um, I was actually looking at doing a couple years ago, but never got around to it. So I'm really hoping I can do that at some point because it just it, it looks it looks amazing. And uh, so yeah, wait, on the so bucket wait, list, you, you, you think you can do a seven day hike thing but you can't spend one day in an airplane i mean one is an enclosed space with people farting for 24 hours (laughs) and one is a big open space beautiful hike for seven days (laughs) also planes are like full of coronavirus now so i don't think i'm going anytime soon Although New Zealand, oh, yeah. New Zealand uh, murdered coronavirus in like a second, so good for them. They're the best. Yeah, wear your damn mask. Yep, wear a mask. God damn it! I don't care if you guys. Stop this listening. isn't a political show. <laughs> it's no, not politics. No. Wearing a damn mask is not political. It's uh, bloody science! Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Doctors anyway. wouldn't wear masks for twelve hours for surgeries if they couldn't breathe in them. Come on. Yeah. Your oxygen is still the same levels when you wear a mask or not. All right, Scott, where do you want to go? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not done talking about (laughs) politics. I I, I have a theory as to where I think Scott would want to visit. I got two theories, actually. I've got a whole list of places that I want to go. (laughs) Well, I want to go back to the motherland, um, Scotland. Because I've never been. I've been to England, but I haven't been to Scotland. So that's just like, uh, where are you from? The well, Scotland and Ireland, right? But uh, Japan is the big one as well. I definitely want to go to Japan, but Ben already said that. So I can't take that <laughs> We're too similar. There we, we, yeah. Um, I, I definitely, absolutely um, want to go to South Korea. Want to go I'm see old. a K-pop concert? 
yeah, I want to go to a K-pop concert. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, South Korea. It's like, it's the tech capital of the world. Um, yeah, I just really want to go to a K-pop concert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. That's not it. I've never, I've never been to any sort of uh, like country in in Asia, or you know, I I definitely want. It's very much the same like what you're talking about. Like it's a culture that has you know flourished and and stuck around since you know you know since the dawn of time. So I mean, I just want to experience different cultures. I want to go and I want to you know have the street food. You know, meet the people and 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 see. I, I want to go see like a taping of a South Korean talk show. Those things are wild. <laughs> like they do all crazy sorts of things. Remember MXC back in the day? The, the like the, the, <laughs> With the Kenny Japanese like yeah the Japanese uh, like basically floors lava. <laughs> but uh, back in the nineties, that show was bonkers. Like I want to I want to see all that sort of stuff and like just different ways of approaching media and, you know, different cultures. And, um, I mean, plus also the architecture too, like Japan's architecture is bonkers. Yeah. I'd love to go there. New Zealand, of course, like Hannah, these are all things that you guys already said, but you know, well, we should all go on a trip. Makes sense. Can I, can I just say that I was very wrong with my guess? What? What was it? Space? No, I thought you were going to say Tunisia to visit the uh, new hope set. Yeah, I mean that's probably all. <laughs> that's probably all broken down by now. And this is the door of the th- of the hut. Actually, you'd be we surprised how much is still left. <laughs> no, I know. I, I saw. A, I saw a thing. They ha- they've actually taken pretty good care of it. Supposedly, it was either that for me. I thought you were either going to say that or Skywalker Ranch. <laughs> What's one place you've always wanted to go to? America. <laughs> <laughs> but not just America. The heart of Star Wars. Yeah. Oh man, I would love to go to Skywalker Ranch. Oh my god. I'd have like so many questions. They'd have they'd kick me out after like five minutes. <laughs> well, okay. So up next, uh, it's time for us to talk into the wild. So once again, this was written and directed by Sean Penn, starring Emil Hirsch, Marsha Gay Harden, William Hurt, and Jenna Malone. And there are a couple surprise appearances as well. Ben, why don't you why don't you give us a little a little synopsis of this? So here, here's the IMDb plot synopsis for Into the Wild. After graduating from Emory University, top student and athlete Christopher McCandless abandons his possessions, gives his entire $24,000 savings account to charity, and hitchhikes to Alaska to live in the wilderness. Along the way, Christopher encounters a series of characters that shape his life. Sweet. <laughs> uh so so what did we think about this this is a movie none of us have watched i'm pretty sure right or ben were you the only one that watched this i'd never seen it before in my life so this is the one this is another one that we have none of us have ever seen before this uh of course came from sean penn who was very much into like documentaries and such and i definitely feel like this had a, a very big documentary vibe to it yeah just like purely from like the way that it was it was shot um, but what do we what did we what do we think about this? <laughs> um, I mean, I so there was a series of movies that came out uh, around this time that all like I, I kind of lumped them all into like the same category where it's like dramas, but they're like 
I don't know. I don't know how to describe them, but like there was a movie called Imaginary Heroes that I would probably lump in with that and uh, a movie I really like called The Squid and the Whale where they're like kind of like, I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it, but it's a type of drama and this I think would fall into that category. So if I had seen it when it came out, I think I would like it, but I'm just at a very different time in my life right now and I did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about like the style that's like probably like like an artsy docudrama with heavy yeah. voiceover? Yeah, that kind of thing. Like I, I when I was a teenager I would have loved that stuff. Like, oh my goodness, a teenager or a twenty year old quoting Thoreau at me. Be still my heart. <laughs> but now it's just kinda like no, that's I, I just I, I can't I, I, I couldn't deal with it. And all the like heavy, heavy, like diary style voiceover and all of that stuff. Like it, it was just a bit much. And the movie was so long and there was so much of it. Like so long. Oh, it's my a God. very long film. Yeah. I, like, I hope, I hope, like, if that wasn't, like, if he didn't have Final Cut, I don't know how long the original cut was. Holy like, shit. Jesus Christ. It didn't need to be that long. It did not. And and if it was shorter, maybe I would have liked it more. <laughs> I don't know. But. <laughs> I think it should have been an hour. I think it should be like a, been like an hour 15 shorter. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, like, I do, because this is based on a actual person. So I want to yeah. be a bit careful about how much I, like, you know, talk about it. Because, I, I mean, I don't know how much is real, how much isn't real. Like, who knows? But maybe there were yeah. certain things that the family wanted to keep in. I, I don't know. Maybe that's why it was so long. But it was, uh, it, it was exceedingly long, especially for a movie of this style. Like, fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the best, the best way that I could probably... I mean, describe this is that it's like he, he is an interesting like Emil Hirsch plays an interesting character. You know, his family's got it all, essentially, but like they're not happy. You know, it's so this is in a way sort of like trying to find a sense of self navigating life and learning from, you know, a, a variety of different people along the way to getting to Alaska, which is what his end goal is. But it just seems like the people that he meets start to not become as diverse. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like he's not learning anything new from the new people that he's meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because, like, he's... When he meets the... You know, there's an older gentleman at the end that he meets, and it's like, there's nothing different. And it's like... But it's some of the best, like, back and forth in the movie is with him with this old guy who lost all of his family not by choice. Meanwhile, Emil Hirsch's character left family by choice, you know? So there's, like, a, a difference of... Um, you know, opinion and viewpoints there, but it's not really anything different. Like Emil Hirsch doesn't, his character doesn't walk away with anything new. Yeah. I, I was, I kept looking at it from the opposite, opposite perspective that though the cast of characters that he meets, they weren't necessarily supposed to influence him, but he was supposed to influence them. And it was, I thought it was interesting to see how he just kind of popped in and out of these people's lives, leaving this grand impression on them and changing them for the rest of their lives oh totally i mean like i definitely think that they both impact each other but in the in terms of this main character's story what is it what is the effect of meeting them have on on him 
you know? That might be a bit of my issue with the movie is like, he just seems like this, he seems, and uh, again, it's based on a, an actual person so it's very difficult for me to say this but he seems like one of those like mary sue style characters to me who like can't he does nothing he did was wrong like that's that's the way it came across to me like he he would just come into these people's lives and he would tell them they would he would in bestow this like wisdom on everyone and then he would leave and and that was about it I don't know. I, it just didn't. I felt like I didn't learn anything about him, really. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt like his his character was certainly very one track, not like not one dimensional, but one track. Like he had one thing on his mind, and that was always the goal, and nothing was going to sway him from that goal, no matter what the influences around him were or how many people told him, "Don't go to Alaska." Yeah. Yeah, which is yeah. like, which is fine, but it just would have been nice to like. The only time I think we ever really see a change in his character, which could be the point. Like maybe I'm just missing the point, but it was near the end, and big, huge spoiler alert. But he dies at the end, um, uh, which is actually what happened to the real person, and that's when you start to like. He starts to think about the fact that he left his family and like kind of starts regretting his decisions and maybe not listening to people and stuff like that's right at the end of the movie is really the only time when he seems to change so that's why like a a movie that long it's kind of like okay well you don't see any character development really in my opinion until like five minutes to the end of the movie yeah yeah it wasn't until he was in real danger that he realized kind of where his priorities should have lain yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's it's an it's like 2 hours and, you know, 15 minutes late, you know. Yeah. And it's like it's a very tragic end to the story because it's like if he had listened to anyone or if he had been able to forgive or like anything like that, he could still be alive today. And I think that's that that to me is just a very very tragic ending. <laughs> I, I, f- I feel like that's it, it kind of mirrors kind of the, the, the tragedy of man that uh, that we as human beings don't necessarily know the mistakes we've made or the choices we've made that are wrong until it's too late, until we can't take them back. And I think that's why it bugs me so much is like part of forgiving yourself and doing the work and figuring stuff out is looking at yourself and taking advice from other people and like trying to do better, trying to, you know, grapple with those dark parts of yourself. And in this movie, it just didn't, that didn't come across at all. It just felt like, you know, he's this guy flitting in and out of people's lives and bestowing all this wisdom on other people, but not really accepting any of it himself. Yeah, there weren't really any moments of him um, taking a second to be like, wait, is what they're saying right? Yeah, there's no self-reflection, like none yeah. at all in his character. And and that could be because like they didn't want to do that because they didn't know how he was actually feeling. So they were yeah. trying, like he was trying to tell the story of this guy without really de- like delving too deep because he didn't know the, the full details. But then it's like, then why, like, why are we here? If you can't... Right. Because because most of most of what we know about uh, Chris and his real life journey comes from what he chose to write down. Yeah. yeah, 
and what he chose to journal, right? So unless you were, we were either him, we don't know if we don't necessarily. And this isn't a, a, a slight at him or any of uh, any of his family or any of the real life people involved in the film, um, but we don't necessarily know how reliable of a narrator he was in what he chose to write down, right? Yeah. We see, or we always whenever we write something down journal or diary we put our own personal bias on it whether we intend to or not right so some of this stuff could have been willfully leaving out certain parts some of it could have been just his tainted view on the situation some of it could have been fabricated for a hollywood film like we'll never 100 percent know any of that without having chris alive today to actually talk to and pick his brain on it's 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 hard to determine um yeah. but I, but i agree it could have had i think they could have spent more time focusing on him and his own struggle with his own kind of inner demons and less time with his sister's narration of how it was affecting others because it didn't really didn't really dive into that other than her voiceover over footage of him hitchhiking. Well, and that's what made me that that is also what made me very frustrated is like I understand that he was angry at his parents, but like it seemed like his sister like he just left her. And and if their family was so broken and he was so angry and he was so mad at his parents, and he knew that he was leaving his sister in that situation, like, that to me, that, like, without even telling her, like, that, like, that hurt me, <laughs> like, to think about that. Yeah. It, I mean, it, as, as it should. Yeah. And, and it just, it felt like a very, it felt like a very selfish move, and it, which is human. Like, people do shit like that all the time. So maybe I'm just like I'm I'm being a little bit too hard on his character, but it just the juxtaposition of him just like going off and and doing all this stuff and her voiceover about how he's such a great person, but he didn't even tell her he was leaving. Like I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. She she says he's she says he's a great person, but we never see really see that side of him. We just yeah. and the considering the whole movie's focused on him for the most part, we just see a very single-minded, um, almost quasi-selfish person. He's only out for one thing, which is to get to Alaska. Really, when it all boils yeah. down to it, um, like I get, he's on a journey of self-discovery and introspection. Now, I think. One of the things I like about this movie, but I think is also part of where a lot of the issues in the movie come from, is it's not as Hollywoodified as a lot of biopics are, right? Where they they make the embellishments to make it more general audience theater friendly, if that makes sense, right? Try to make some of the experiences more exciting than they actually were. I think this downplays a lot of the things is not nearly as exciting and not as big of events and it's kind of refreshing to see a film about someone that doesn't take leaps and bounds to make it more exciting and accessible to general audiences who just want whatever like explosions and excitement but at the same time that also helps or hurts it with some of the issues that we've stated here where it just seems kind of drab i don't know 
I kind of lost my well, thought in the middle of that I mean, sentence. I mean, like, just to jump in there for a sec, it makes the audience overly decide for itself. It, it's almost like it wants to be a character study, but it instead of making any like it doesn't make any choices. Right. You know? No. So so it's like it's like oh the it's like someone said we'll let the audience decide, but then there's nothing for us to really decide on because there are certain things that happen in this where you're just kind of like these character these character relationships don't really matter they don't like there's nothing really kind of there so as much as you want us to kind of decide what they're like what does it all mean what are they talking about what are they what's his wants or whatever there's nothing even like from the script itself that's in any way shape or form like trying to guide us or tell us or show us what the character's motivations are like even there's nothing for us to make as an audience to make a decision on based on the choices that they make that's what i'm trying to say it almost just kind of uh it 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 lays out the facts but it doesn't really give you like any context to them if that makes sense so you don't really get the the motivation the the reasoning behind why these people are important or what the impact really is it just kind of says well this well, this happened, and then he moved on to there, and then this happened. And he yeah. he's never the one that talks about any of the stuff that is seemingly important. Like, yeah. he, he never once, really, other than telling people, like, oh, he ran away from home, all of that stuff comes across from his sister, who's talking about, you know, how they had a bad family and stuff like that. I think what, what might have helped the movie a little bit more is is if it were him doing the voiceover, not his sister. Yeah. Even if it's telling the same stories or the same information, but if it was coming from his perspective, it would have given more context as to why he felt justified in leaving his family behind, including the sister that he loved so much. It's just everyone making assumptions, and I mean, we're doing the same thing, but it's everyone making assumptions about who this guy is based on their interactions with him. So it's a very like shallow look at who this person actually was. Yeah. I mean, just to correct one of the things that I said earlier, like I didn't, I didn't mean to be like, oh, we should be told what to do or what to think or how to feel or whatever. I didn't mean it like that. But what I, what I meant was there's a sandbox. Every film's a sandbox and you want your audience to, to play within that sandbox. You know, there's like a, me and a couple other filmmakers, we talk about how it's like, you want to do a, like a, a 70, 30 contrast of you know helping they're guiding the having a pov essentially of what these characters are are doing and then having that 30 percent like let the audience do that work let the audience do 30 percent of the works because then they make it their own they're able to take what they want from what you've provided and they're able to expand and explore on on what's been given to them and what's been presented to them it just seems like it just seems like it was reversed Mm -hmm. it was like it was like the audience is now made like told, okay, you have to do seventy percent of the work, and we're gonna do th- we're gonna lay thirty percent of the groundwork here. Yeah, and it's just like you, there's nothing for me to to cling to. There's nothing for me to like start a discussion about, rather than being like, what is the deal? <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. I did enjoy like. There's no question this movie sets up that the that the family life, and we've kind of talked about it a bit. The family life is kind of fucked up a bit you know like the father is is abusive to the mom the family doesn't get along 
you know? Yeah. But the opening, like, I have a thing here is like the opening shots here I thought was kind of interesting, which was we see how we already see how his uh, choices, his choice to leave is affecting his parents. And I just thought about that just being like, that also makes it, going back to what you said, Hannah, like very kind of selfish. Like, my mother would be stressing out every night if I did what this guy did. Yeah. If I just got up and left I and, like, not think about how my parents would feel, my mother would just fucking crumble into nothing because of, you know, I was so selfish just to get up and leave. And I thought almost, like, it, it might have been a little bit more interesting to see, like, the family aspect of it as well. Maybe a little bit more of that. Because at the end, there's a really great sequence that I actually really liked where the family is having their moments. They each have their moments of, like, yeah. breaking down of what's happening. Like, oh, yeah. When you have William Hurt. You know, the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. is you know, going down the street and he's got this great thing. He walks down the driveway, then he walks down the street and they just hold on his face and you just see him starting to fall apart. The, the tears welling up and then he just falls on the ground and sits in the middle of the road. I was like, holy shit. And they're like, yeah, you hate this guy because he like he beats his wife and he's and he's and he's abusive. But also you're just like, holy shit, like this is the impact that the this the the consequences of these choices. Yeah, I um I almost lost it when uh when the mother was walking through the the parking lot of the supermarket and just yeah. was just in a daze, lost, couldn't couldn't help but think that everywhere she looked she saw her son. I thought yeah. that I thought I thought those two moments were like two of the strongest moments in the entire film. Yeah. To go to go back to what we were saying about like the the selfishness of it too, it's like it felt like the movie tried to excuse, like excuse it by being like, oh, but he donated all of his money to this, and he did this, and he did this, and like it it just I don't know it it uh, I agree like it his family was shitty and that was horrible what his dad did to his mom, but like I don't know I don't I don't it's just kind of hurt people hurting people. I think that's yeah. it's a vic- bit of a vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah. and it's um, it, uh, and maybe that's why I, I had a hard time with the movie because it was like it was a little bit too real. It was like okay, the, there there was just no there was no forgiveness there. There was no happy ending there. Like they all, his entire family now no longer has him because he was so angry at them, and there's like no re- reconciliation there. In, in in trying to in trying to escape and end this cycle of of kind of anger and frustration and um, hurting each other, he pretty well perpetuated it by removing himself from the situation. Yeah, yeah, and and you even see it a bit in like when he is chatting with the old man, and the old man is like laying his heart on the table. He is like, "Why don't I adopt you?" And it's like a very heart wrenching moment, and he, and yeah. the the main character just doesn't really know what to do with that being shown this ki- this kindness and he just kind of sits there smiling awkwardly and it's a very strange reaction for a, a character to have at this old man who's been so kind to him like i, I it was I, I, it didn't play to me yeah well <laughs> yeah there was there was a moment with him and the old man like they're on like a uh oh god what do you call it like a rail car or something like that and uh and they were looking. They were looking out the window, and then they just, for some reason, I don't know what this choice was. Like, I'm assuming it was to show that they're appreciating each other or like growing a fondness for each other. But they just held for so long that I was like, "They're gonna kiss. Are they gonna kiss?" 
And like, I just didn't know because like they hold, like they, they cut to Emil Hirsch and he's staring at him and he's staring at him for like, it's like five seconds. And then they cut to the old man looking at him and they, they hold on him for like seven seconds. And I was like, this is a lot of <laughs> eyeing each other. They're going to kiss. Okay, let's just do it. And then they cut away. And I was like, this isn't like, it wasn't getting a sense of like, if the shots were like a couple seconds shorter, I would have been like, oh, they care about each other and they're growing like a fondness for each other. But it just like it got to the moment where I was like, no, this is kind of like weird and comedic at one point. Like, and, and, like that moment didn't play at all. At all. Yeah. Uh, speaking, speaking of kissing, we did get uh, a cameo from uh, our favorite actress, Kristen Stewart. Oh. Kristen Stewart. <laughs> okay, who, I've got, who did the I've exact got, same thing she does in Twilight, which is just bite yeah. her lip and look off into the distance. I've got three notes here uh, about <laughs> Kristen Stewart, and they so bear with me because they all have to be said one after another, or this is not going to work. <laughs> I, I have all in caps. Kristen Stewart, she gonna bite him and get that vampire dick. <laughs> Followed by. She's just staring at him from the RV, LOL, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And then I have, oh, she's 16, that's awkward, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. So I, like, I will admit, I got up and walked around a couple times during this movie, and as soon as Kristen Stewart was uh, was introduced, I was walking around my apartment going, oh, I'm Kristen Stewart, I'm going to fall in love with the mirror, and we're going to make out, and I'm going to sing songs, blah, blah, blah. It's just like being <laughs> kind of an asshole. Because I was just so convinced that they were going to like make out, and then when she said she was 16, I was like, no, no, please, no, that's just not what we need in this movie, and thank Christ. <laughs> thank Christ they did the right thing. <laughs> Um, uh, she, she has a thing for pale broody guys. Yeah, apparently. Oh <laughs> now, I mean, um, I've seen Kristen Stewart in other things and I think she's, she's great in other things. And I thought she was good in this one. I, I, did I like thought she was, she was decent in this, but she did, yeah. she did do a lot of the Kristen Stewart tropes, which are bite her lip a lot yeah. when she doesn't know quite what to do. When, when your script note is stare at him from your trailer <laughs> door. <laughs> And then yeah. they hold on that shot for longer than they need to. And then that's this what I wrote it down. I was like, she's just staring at him. What the? It's like the, like the hippie guy is just like, you're going to go introduce yourself to her? And then the, Emil Hirsch looks up and then cut to like an eight second shot of like Kristen Stewart staring at him. It was so strange. I was like, and it was like she was staring at him as if like a, huh, what are you new? Like one of those, not even like a, not even like a, I want a piece of that, you know? It's, it was so strange. I don't know. This is why this movie was like five million hours long, because every shot was held for just a little bit too long. Yeah. If they if they had cut every single shot in the movie by like two seconds, tighten it right up. Yeah. I, I think oh, it's so. like at least that's at least a half hour off the time, probably. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, some of the nature shots in this are fantastic. Yeah, it is a beautiful movie. Like it yeah. is very pretty. I will give it that. And it's definitely that. It's definitely where it lends its its documentary style to for sure. Um, the reindeer shots. There's a few shots in here where I was like, that probably happened by accident. Yeah. And one of them was like. He's running after the reindeer, and there's yeah. like a whole herd of them. And I was like, that would have been so much money. Like, I know this movie had fifteen million dollars, but there's no way that they brought in a herd of reindeer to no, run around no, no, no. in the wild. No way. No. 
they absolutely like went up north and like found a herd of of reindeer and and that shot of emil hirsch is very beautiful where he's like watching them and he tears up a little bit and like yeah i i completely understand that i went to iceland and i stood in front of a glacier and like cried a little bit because it was so beautiful so like stuff like that i i get and it's like little moments like that in the movie were were really good yeah, because it's 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 nature. When you think like, how can something that's natural be that beautiful? You know what I mean. Yeah. When in when in fact in our hearts, that's exactly what you know beautiful is 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 natural. It's uh, which is which is great. There's a scene in here. I'm a huge fan of like one light like scenes that are lit by one source. And there's like a couple scenes here where it's like it's lit only by fire. And I fucking love it. I think it's, oh, yeah. it's real good. Like when he's when he gets picked up by the, the hippie travelers, there's like a scene where he's talking to the woman who I forget her name, but she's in a bunch of stuff as well. She plays. Yes. Yeah, oh, oh, man. I don't want to. I don't want to. Catherine Keener. Yes. Keener, there it is. Yeah. Thank you. But it was like there's there's a scene where he's talking to her and it's like lit only by fire. And I was like, that's great. Like, that's so good. And you see that sort of thing in a whole bunch of stuff like Saving Private Ryan. Like even the Mandalorian did something like that. You know, it's. Yeah. It's it, and it looks so good. It looks so beautiful because it's all nice and warm, and it adds to the the context of the scene. You know, just what are these characters, you know, feeling or how they're feeling, and and you know what they're what they're talking about. So I yeah. loved it. It was great. Eric Gautier did a fantastic job as a cinematographer in this. Yeah, I was actually looking through his IMDb to see if he had done uh, or had a history of documentaries, and he he doesn't. It's all no dramatic films no uh it's uh he's it's got an he's got an interesting um uh portfolio including um a film i think we've talked about recently aloha (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah you're right 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 Uh, but every like other than that everything is is, looks fairly i don't want to say artsy but you know what i mean (laughs) well i mean it definitely has that like it lends itself to that documentary feel because it uses a lot of zoom lenses but also extremely wide lenses and it will and it will cut back and forth between the two which is usually like in a dramatic um setting like i mean there's no rules in filmmaking of course but like if you you know watch roger roger deakins or something like that you know and you listen to roger deakins you know it's it's all about like well you don't cut from a 400 millimeter lens to an eight millimeter lens or whatever, you know, unless it's like a massive wide shot or something, but like they're doing, um, like stuff that you would have seen, uh, later on in, um, Revenant, you know, like eight mil straight, like inches away from the guy's face. Like there's a shot, like there's a few shots, like where he's looking for like berries or plants or flowers to eat. And it's like, there's a little twig at one point that dangles in front of camera. And I'm like, that's, less than an inch in front of camera and you can and you can see it and like that means he is like four inches in front of camera and he's like he's definitely on like an eight millimeter lens straight in front of straight in front of the camera and it just distorts everything and just jumping from there there's a one part where he's eating an apple and he's just you know i know the shot you're talking about and and then he looks directly into the camera and it's Mm -hmm. the only part in point in this entire movie where there's like a fourth wall breaking moment and it's on this like extremely wide lens. And, and I was like, what do you, I, that was the one thing I want to ask you guys about like, what do you think about that moment where he looks directly into the camera? Do you think it was needed? What was the point? Um, but also what did you guys think about the, um, like the style of using extremely long lenses and then extremely wide lenses 
in contrast to another. Do you think that that was intentional or was or it was just like what's we're just going to slap that lens on because that's what we need for this particular shot? Uh, I think it was I think it was intentional. I think it was the style they were going for. As for the the looking directly into the camera, it felt a little weird to me. I don't think it was the I don't don't think it was awful, but I, I don't think it was necessary. It just that that look just felt unmotivated, right? There was no you would think if he was gonna look directly at the camera there was gonna be a sound or something that would draw his attention, but he just singing along and then just stares into your soul. Yeah, I I am on the other side. I do not think it was intentional. I think they shot it like a documentary and they just stitched together what they had they it seemed like they almost picked all the most beautiful shots and just like shoved them all into the movie which is fine like when you get footage like that like great use it it's uh, <laughs> like fantastic it, it it had a very like kind of different vibe to it than i'm used to it reminded me a lot of humber student films <laughs> where a lot See? of that like very shallow depth of field makes everything look pretty and interesting and bokeh and all that stuff. You know what I thought it reminded me of? I thought it reminded me of Tree of Life with more of a story. Uh, Tree of Life, yeah, kind of. But no, I, ju- I just mean like how it, how it just it felt very like shallow depth of field and extreme close ups. Like it, the 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 cinematography had a hint of that. Yeah. The, the looking into the camera, I, like, I don't know. I think it was probably a mistake. And then Sean Penn was like, hey, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know what? These types of moments, that's usually what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I didn't look too far into it. I thought it was just like, okay, yeah. Um, I, ju- I just realized that I compared this movie to another Sean Penn movie. Oh, yeah. I kind of forgot that Sean Penn was <laughs> So did I. <laughs> Um, we had another uh, guest, uh, special a special appearance, <laughs> Vince Vaughn with a goatee. I know what the fuck. <laughs> I was and, like, and I Zach Galifianakis. Like, Where was Wait, Zach Galifianakis? Zach Galifianakis is the one that teaches him about guns. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Check IMDb. What? Yeah, that's what I thought too. Holy shit! That's incredible. I love that Vince. Like the two comedians were put in the same group. Yeah. Oh, totally. And then he's like taken away by FBI agents <laughs> <laughs> for for stolen cable boxes, basically. Yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, so good. Vince Vaughn. Te- so he teaches. So Vince Vaughn basically teaches uh, Emil Hirsch's character about uh, about farming. Really, you know, surviving off the land, essentially. Well, Emil, my favorite line of dialogue. I don't know if you guys have one in this. But my favorite line of dialogue is when Emil Hirsch's character is kayaking down like the river, and then he sees he sees like the two German uh, travelers, and then the German travelers are like, "Come on over, come on over," and then uh, the one lady's just like she's just completely naked for some reason, and uh, but he, with the guy, the German guy is like, "Come join us, we have hot dogs," and I I died laughing. I was like, that is my favorite. That is my favorite line in this movie, and we're only forty-five minutes in. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) That was only forty-five minutes into the movie. I don't know. I was was just going for comedic effect there. Well, I mean, I like I listen, or I'm I'm thinking back on it, and it's like I I don't remember 
how to judge how far into the movie that was. It felt so early, but it felt so late. It just, yeah, because like constantly in these scenes, these scenes don't have any sort of time to them. You don't know when they're taking place. Like you could essentially, you could essentially switch any of the scenes where people meet and you would still have the same timeline, supposedly. But yeah, you're you're right. The European couple were hilarious. Yeah. And they're in it for like they're in it for like less than five minutes. And I was like, this is my favorite line of dialogue. I want to put that in everything. Come join us. We have hot dogs. I love it. It's so good. Um, what did you guys think about the moose scene? I mean, I, I, like they so had for, had the, that for the little... people for the people who didn't know, like uh, the moose, like he he shoots a moose and uh, tries to prepare it and eat it and save it, but it's just so much. That it starts to rot away. That's what frustrated me. Jack uh, tells him not to let that happen, too. Yeah, but that's what frustrated me about that. Because it's like, like how you are one person. Why are you shooting a moose? Like, a moose is a giant animal. How are you going to prep that in time? It just seemed like common sense to me. Like, maybe don't go for the most giant animal of all time. If you're, like, I don't know. It, it I don't know. My, him- my thought was that he was trying to stockpile so he didn't have to hunt as much. I, yeah, I, I mean, like, I think I think that's a, that's a valid point. Um, for me, it wasn't so much of why he was doing it, because, I mean, like, he was hungry, right? For me, it came down to, like, a logistical standpoint. I was like, how the f- how, how did they shoot this? Did they go full Game of Thrones and they actually had, like, a dead moose brought in where he had to cut it all up? Because he cuts this thing up, and it looks like... It looks it legit. was a real. It looks legit. Like it looks like he's actually butchering up this thing. And in Game of Thrones, and like this, one of the scenes where you meet Tywin Lannister, he's carving up um, a deer, I believe it is, and that was an actual real deer. And they taught him how to do it, and he did it on camera, and it was like a dead deer that they brought in. So I was wondering, like, I was like, they didn't do this for real, did they? Like, there's no way. But some of these shots, like, it looks like they might have actually done it. I would be surprised if it was a moose, like if it was an actual moose. Um, right. I like maybe it was. It did. It did look very real, but it probably was something like a deer because I I don't remember there being like big wide shots of him um, skinning it, just like more close ups of his hands and everything. So I, I would be very surprised if it was an actual moose, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was probably a deer, and they probably had it um, like a like a taxidermied moose head for the head that they show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's one point where he's walking, carrying the head, and the head jiggles, and I was like, "That looks way too real." Yeah. That maybe it was. I don't know. I didn't do any research. <laughs> so <I laughs> no, neither know. do I. But like, I like, um, I I've I've just worked on a couple sets where they actually bring in like real stuff, and you're just kind of like, really, we couldn't have done like a a mold of this. We couldn't have done like a couldn't have made a fake, you know, you know, animal to cut apart. But yeah. uh, gelatin mousse on set and for dessert. That yeah. <laughs> that's why I'd be surprised if it was a moose because moose like I don't know I don't know how do people hunt moose? I know yes, people hunt do. deer. Yeah, yeah, people, they do. Uh, people eat moose. Yeah. Hmm. Um, there was one moment where I was just like, <laughs> I just had to kind of laugh a little bit. My note here is, I'm gonna shoot all my bullets in the air in a rage because I'm hungry. Why would you shoot your bullets into the air <laughs> when you need them to shoot something that you want to hunt? <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. 
I was one moment where I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And having it be like, oh, no, he's angry. So in his rage, he shoots in the air. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. Like, I wouldn't do that if I was angry. Well, that's that's the theme of this movie. <laughs> he's got a shit ton of bullets, too, apparently. Yeah. Well, I mean, he stockpiled that stuff, I think. But but in, in the end, Hannah's right. This The, the, the movie comes down to um, anger and rebellion. Yeah. yeah. And some of the stuff is fun, like when he goes into the like little kayak place and the guy's like, you'll have to sign a list to like put your kayak into the river and it's like a seven year wait or something like that. Like little little moments like that I liked where it's just like poking fun at like the bureaucracy and shit and like how frustrating yeah. that stuff can be. I, I wonder liked- if that was legit, like if that actually happened where the guy said, yeah, if you want to join the wait list, uh, you can launch in 2003. And he's like, I have to wait 11 years to put a kayak in the river? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if that was the case. But then he gets to the river and you see what kind of river it is and you're like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> maybe you should have practiced a little bit before going down yeah. there. But. <laughs> oh, man. It was a it was it was an interesting watch. It felt very much like I agree with what you said, Hannah, about how during that time there was a string of movies that have this very kind of like artsy yeah. docudrama sort of heavy voiceover feel. Um, very much. There's a lot of movies like that, and it's very much. And even what you said about like our old alma mater, Humber College, <laughs> uh, very much kind of like that vibe of almost like student film trying to impress but yeah. it was but it i mean but it was a you know it's more it was more capable than a student film i would say but uh but uh yeah i don't know it's i i feel like it was a movie that all of the students wanted to emulate like those kinds of like yeah. docudrama like very serious like i'm an artist i know all about art <laughs> and it was just like There was a bunch of movies that came in around then, and a lot of them I really liked, and so I feel like if I had watched this movie at the time, it probably would have influenced me much more, and I, you know, I would have had a giant crush on Emile Hirsch and all that, but watching it, like, having, like, lived a little bit more life, and it just, it it didn't have the same kind of impact on me now as it probably would have if I had seen it back in, like, 2007. Absolutely. I, I... I'd be interested to read the book um, to see a little bit more from uh, from Chris's perspective mm-hmm. um, and see how much was changed based on what was written to what came to screen. Yeah, apparently his sister also wrote a book. She confirmed a lot of the, the stuff about their parents. I, I haven't read either of the books, but yeah, it would be interesting to know more. Absolutely. So has anybody got any final thoughts in regards to Into the Wild? It, it was definitely interesting. I, I I liked it. Didn't love it. I might revisit it again in a few years to see if my perspective changes on it, but it's not something I'm going to go out of my way to watch a lot. I know a lot of people that rave about this movie. However, I think they were in a different mindset back in 2007 when it first came out. Uh, Hannah, what about you? Final thoughts? Uh, I mean, I kind of said, like, my piece about it. It, you know, it it is pretty. It's, uh, but I, I just couldn't find myself. I, I wanted to know more about 
his thoughts on his life instead of what other people's thoughts were about his life. And I guess, I mean, that's very hard to get when the subject of your film dies. So I can't really fault the filmmakers for that. I just think that maybe it could have been told a different way. I don't know. I, I, I I didn't thoroughly enjoy this movie. I thought it was too long. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you. I I thought it was way too long. I thought it was at least, um, at least an hour too long, minimum. They could have cut it down by an hour, hour fifteen, for for something that. uh, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was good, but not great. It's not really a movie that I would have gone out to go see, and it's not a movie that I would go back to watch. And also for a character, for, for a movie that's trying to be like this big character piece where it spends so much time with that character, it didn't really do much for that character. So that was a bit of a, a bummer for me as well. But I guess, uh, well, well, it's time to, it's time to rate it. Um, so Ben and Hannah, out of five goateed Vince Vaughns. <laughs> How many Vince Vaughns do you give Into the Wild? I would probably give it a, like, two and a half. I will not be watching this movie again. It, again, it's just too long, and uh, I, I didn't have a super good time with it. It was pretty, had some nice shots and a couple of, like, nice little moments. Um, and I, I did, like, like, some of the stuff about, like, sticking it to the man and, like, finding yourself and stuff like that. Like, those themes... I understand why they're appealing. I would have liked it more when I was younger, but I feel like I've come a long way since then. So, or at least I hope I have gone. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I wasn't a giant fan. I was a small fan. <laughs> uh, uh, ben, how many for you? Uh, I would. I think I liked it a bit more than Hannah. Certainly had its flaws. Um, it certainly had some great moments i found myself completely enthralled in the moment a few times i felt like i was lost a few times so i'd have to give it i'd give it a solid three three out of five three out of five okay okay yeah i'm gonna have to i'm gonna be joining hannah on this one i'm gonna be giving it a 2.5 out of five goateed vince vons (laughs) (laughs) i was so shocked when he showed up i was like oh He's here. <laughs> so, so so shocked you didn't even notice Zach Galifianakis standing no, behind him the entire time. Yeah, I had I, zero idea that he was in this movie. I, I, heard, I had no idea. I heard I heard the voice and I was like, ooh, wait. And then I looked it up and I was like, yeah, that's him. I It stuck out to me, the, the guy that was like teaching him how to skin a deer. Like that scene stuck out to me for some reason, but I couldn't figure out why. <laughs> Maybe that's why. <laughs> It's because he's uh he's a one man wolf pack. Yeah, maybe it's Dad. because he wasn't playing Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. <laughs> from in between two ferns. He didn't have a he didn't have a satchel like Indiana Jones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this has been the Winchester's review of Into the Wild. Catch us next week where we talk about the Princess Bride. Hannah, where can the good people find you? Everyone can find me online at Shiny Bad Guys. Ben, hit him with those details. Uh, I am on Instagram and Twitter at the Ben Bray. 
And I'm Scott. You can find me on all social media at SkayP. You can find our wonderful editor, Jordan Moore, on social media at ThatJorMoore. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and all other platforms where you get your podcasts. It would really help us out, and we would appreciate it. Don't forget you can join in on the conversation by following us on all social media at WinchesterCast. Or head to our website, winchestercast.ca. Don't forget to use the hashtag WinchesterCast. Though Winchester does not do any hardcore advertising and is purely word of mouth, so every share, every mention, every hashtag really helps in getting the Winchester out there. That's all for us. Thanks for popping by the Winchester. Pew 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 p